Hello and welcome to Nobody's Coming to Fix You, a podcast for women, by women, talking all things life, empowerment and transformation. My name is Del Beer. I'm a businesswoman, sustainability advocate, industry leader in my field and have spent my whole career working in the fashion industry, working out what women actually want. I am the creator of the Sandsland Coaching and Transformation Programme and I am your host for this podcast. Joining me throughout the series will be lots of fabulous women and men too to talk about how we can share the best hacks to live our best lives. Jo Glynn-Smith is a motivational coach whose insights have transformed countless lives. She's dedicated her career to helping individuals unleash their full potential, whether they're looking for purpose in their lives or going through a career transition. With advice that speaks to us all and a voice that resonates with authenticity, she's earned her place as a leading authority on personal branding. When she's not captivating audiences with her powerful talks, you'll find her sharing her invaluable knowledge and advice through her column in Harper's Bazaar magazine, one of the UK's top magazines. Welcome to the podcast, Joe. Thank you for having me. So we're here to talk about personal branding. You are the expert on personal branding. So can you tell the listeners what personal branding actually is? I suppose the simplest way of describing it is it's your visibility and the values that you represent. So if you put that into all brand terms, which is an easy way of thinking about it, if you think of any of the biggest brands, Nike, Amazon, Apple, what do you know about them? What do they do? And what do they represent? And if you apply that to yourself in a smaller scale, obviously, then it's about how you think of yourself in that way. So it's the visible the visible representation of who you are. And people talk about digital brand, a digital personal brand, you know, your which is like probably your social brand and your LinkedIn brand. Um, can you tell us about different types of personal brand or how you can present your personal brand? Yeah, so I always think it's best to focus on three areas or it's easiest to focus on three areas um, because there are lots. But I I, I break it down to um, presence and performance, your digital footprint, which is what you're describing there in the digital brand, and then your network. So your presence and performance is how do you show up? What's your attitude? How consistent are you? What are people going to get? when they go into a meeting with you or they book you for a presentation or a talk or whatever it is, you know, that's that's that part of it. The digital footprint is everything that you're describing. So it's anything through social and search mm-hmm. that I would find about you. What does that look like and, and what does that represent and what does that say about you? And that's the area that we often need to tidy up a little bit because it's quite historical. You know, if you, you know, started off your teenage years you know, on on digital, which we fortunately didn't, Dalby, uh, then uh, there might be a bit of a mess to clear up later on in life, depending on what you end up doing. Um, and then your network is really uh, your connections. And that can be digital as well as physical. So it could be your kind of contacts, your groups, your friends, who you hang out with, who you're seen with, the, the, the people that you want to be associated with. Um, and that can be digital. It can be the groups that you belong to online or on LinkedIn or who you follow, but it's also the networks that you sort of are part of. So when it comes to your digital footprint, do you think employers are snooping around and seeing what they can find on all of your social media channels? I wouldn't be surprised if they have a little look. I think it depends how digitally savvy they are. 
when they're looking at, you know, at your CV. I mean, LinkedIn is the place that everybody looks to for work and all your history. Um, and it's a really good place to communicate what you're about because it's really concise and it's easy for people to find and there's got it's got a search footprint and that kind of thing. But social channels can be looked at as well. If somebody really wants to make sure that the person that's sitting in front of them in the interview or on screen in the interview um, is who they say they are on their CV and on on LinkedIn, they might check your socials if they're if and if they're you know not private, um, they can look through them. So kind of like an authenticity check, maybe. Yeah, I mean it really. I think it really depends what you're going in to do, and it depends how you know strongly. You know, you're, if if somebody feels like there's something off in an interview, if I felt like something was off in an interview, I'd probably do a bit more research. And that could be just Googling you to find out. You know, it may be as simple as, oh, it's really interesting. That person seemed to be, you know, really strong in this particular area. God, I wonder what they did before. Mm. Because they may, they may not be saying that on their CV. There may be areas of their, they may, they may, I've got people I work with who have been in girl bands. And now there's something completely different. and But that element of performance really exists in what they do. And so you think, there's got to be something there because I can definitely tell. And you might do a bit of Googling and you might find something. And that can be actually can be really fun, but it can be quite dangerous too. And then about networking, I think it's um, it's interesting when we talk about LinkedIn. LinkedIn is, is, is exploding. What do you think is the reason why people are now suddenly across all age ranges, thinking that LinkedIn is a place to go to build communities, talk to people, promote their products. It's almost like the new Insta. I think it's because it is so entirely focused on business and career and growing your career. And I think that if you are an ambitious person or you have something that you want to communicate that's really important, whether it be a charity or an organisation, a foundation or whatever it is, or an opinion, then LinkedIn is the more serious place to do that, I would say. I think, you know, Insta is great for all, you know, lots of other reasons and it can be really good for promoting business, but it's much more consumer. I think LinkedIn is much more business to business. And I think if you if you really want to develop and grow your contacts, you can do that actually really quickly. Um, you can also just launch into thought leadership. Mm. You know, it doesn't really matter. If you've got the confidence to do it, you can do it at any age. It doesn't, you don't have to be senior to have an opinion about something. So I think that's a great opportunity for younger people as well. I think the same. I think it feels like it's become very democratic. You know, LinkedIn used to be this thing where, you know, everybody had their kind of career history on there. And, you know, you basically, I don't think a lot of us talk that much on LinkedIn. We kind of used to announce promotions and uh, leaving jobs and starting new jobs, maybe. But like now, I think that Gen Z are using it all day long. So with LinkedIn, it's become such a big platform. And I think it is quite democratic. It It's available to people, Gen X, Gen Z, anybody who wants to build out their community. Do you think it's because people want to convey their authenticity and they feel that LinkedIn could be the way to do it? Like by talking, promoting stories, communicating about values, purpose, that that's the way that they can communicate who they actually are in a very digital, faceless world that we live in. I think since the pandemic, it has become a really good place to network. Mm. And you know, we there were many years where we weren't going out and doing anything. We we're all stuck at home. But humans have a fundamental need to connect. 
it is the thing that makes us happiest. It's so important for our survival and fulfillment and work and collaboration and creativity. And LinkedIn became one of these platforms that we could do that. Instagram and, and TikTok definitely did, um, but in a kind of slightly different way. This is a this is a business way to do that. And I think that Gen Z really understand how important a strong personal brand is. Mm-hmm. And they have really taken it into their own and they're developing it with confidence that we've, you know, not seen before. It, it does great people up a little bit the wrong way because they see this incredible confidence. I think they're amazing at having this ability to, I didn't know what I was doing in my 20s. I, I knew that I loved the creative industries. I went into the fashion industry straight after university. I wanted to do that and I did it for 25 years. But I kind of, I admire so much these young people going in with an opinion and a point of view and a perspective and then really going for it on whatever channel is use, useful for them. And LinkedIn is really useful for personal brand when it comes to career. And, and that's how they're using it. And they're using it without the lack of confidence that we all have. You know, to us, it was sort of, you don't really talk about your CV that much. Yeah. You don't really talk about if you leave a job or if you've been made redundant or if you're not very happy or if you've got mental health issues. And this generation don't have any of those uh, blocks. They are just really happy to talk about it. And it's gonna open up so much positive debate. And I think it's gonna rub a lot of people up the wrong way. So it's impossible to keep churning out content, original content all the time. And sometimes you just want to, you know, you want or you can respond to something on LinkedIn. That's another thing. Just just thinking about how you can use these tools. A lot of my clients will say, I want to have more presence on LinkedIn, but I've got fear. Often the older generations have more fear around it because they're scared of making a spelling mistake or saying the wrong thing or getting in trouble. And I just say, you know what? People look at it so quickly. Mm -hmm. I mean, we consume all this media in seconds. We're just going through it and through it and through it. And so if there's a spelling mistake, who cares? I mean, really at the end of the day, who cares? If you've made a mistake, take it down. Mm. I mean, it's not difficult. If you're in a position of authority and power and you say something ridiculous, then that's sort of a different thing. But you'd hope those people have sense checkers and aren't just firing things, well, I guess in Donald Trump's case, it may be <laughs> firing things off willy nilly. But, you know, I mean, that that would be the case if you're if you're if you know, if you really are somebody with a huge voice, um, you're going to have people checking. But for, for you and me and, for, you know, if we're trying to communicate things that we genuinely are doing to help, then I think most people are quite, you know, they're, qu- they're quite open minded about it. Yeah. And I think you just have to get started, don't you? I think that you know, I always say to people, like, if you if you feel like LinkedIn is just too hard. Just like someone's post, make a small comment, you know, just get into the usual and the habit of just like engaging with a few things here and there. And I think you kind of then you kind of get started. But I definitely see a lot of um, younger people coming through with a lot of confidence and authority and conviction and um, fearlessness, just kind of, you know, and, and, and telling people literally like, I mean, my nephew is on there all the time. He's in his 20s. You know, he's still very young and he, he talks about, you know, all his business strategies and his business ideas and how he built his business. And, you know, he's still at a very early stage in his career, but he feels ready to already talk about his business successes, failures, um, next steps and all the rest of it. So I think the difference is we probably would say we at that age, we weren't experienced enough to give advice. Yeah, exactly. We were conditioned. talking about conditioning. I mean, you know, we were told that. And the, the quickest way to grow a personal brand is to start communicating and that means you've got to get over that fear and just start doing it whichever way you want to whether it's that you want to do on social in a more consumer driven way and more entertainment 
way because social, I mean, uh, Insta or TikTok is much more about entertainment, but you can use it for business as well. I mean, I think kind of anything goes really. I think the, the, the key is with anything like this is consistency um, and you just got to keep going, just keep doing it regularly. Don't just do one post a month and go, oh, it's not growing. I don't understand why it's not growing. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Like, I think you have to accept that there has to be frequency and there has to be time committed to it. It's kind of part of your job, I guess. That's the thing that a lot of people, I think myself including, also always sort of like a challenge by it. It's like, oh, I haven't got time. I haven't got time to do this. And it's like, actually, a part of your day needs to be allocated, not every single day, but a part of your week needs to be allocated to building your personal brand, I guess. If that's what you want to do, yeah. yeah. And interestingly, I do a column for Harper's Bazaar in Bazaar at Work. And uh, and one of the readers wrote in and said, my boss has said that I should be doing more posting, but I'm really nervous, you know, I don't know where to start, what do I do? And I thought, wow, thank, that's great. Her, her boss clearly recognises how important personal brand is, is encouraging her to do it. And I was sort of running through the advice on how to get going. And it is about get over the fear, just do it regularly, make it part of your day. So it's something that you have to make sure that you do. And, uh, and, and I sort of write a plan like you would do if you were writing a plan for anything at work. Mm. You know, this is how I want to sound. This is what I want to do. It doesn't have to be a verbal thing if that's what you're really nervous about. Personal brand is, is about you communicating who you are, what you represent, your values, what you want. We can actually we can actually navigate our own career path by communicating what it is that we're interested in, and people starting to believe that uh, that oh yeah that person they're all about this whether it's about you know it could be about sustainability and you're mm. passionate about sustain you might work in an insurance company mm. but you might be really passionate about sustainability you could just start talking about it and you stop you can't stop becoming an expert and then you know you'll, it'd be amazing what happened it's it's incredible what could happen. So talking about um, networking, obviously we've talked about digital networking, but post-COVID, do you think there's a rise of face-to-face networking now? Because people, maybe if you're working from home, are just really feeling that they're not able to build their personal brand sitting in their, you know, in their bedroom. Yeah, yeah. I think that I've seen definitely more events happening and people are signing up and going and enjoying them. We have to communicate with one another in in real in physical you know physically you know together because it just is so much more powerful than on a screen it it's quite depressing sitting at home all day talking to a screen it, it, i mean maybe i'm alone in that but i think it's you know it's not very engaging it doesn't make you feel that excited you know you don't get to get the energy and the spirit of human beings when you're talking to a screen you tend to talk a lot louder when you're speaking to a screen you shout at it so I don't know whether you've noticed sometimes you can come off a call and you feel like it's sort of ringing in your ears because we don't seem to speak calmly to screens so I don't know whether there is any scientific truth in that but I I certainly feel that Um, but there is no doubt to me that when you're in a room with lots of people either talking about a particular topic or maybe listening to a debate or or whatever it is it energetically is amazing and it does make you feel alive and it makes you feel part of society part of whatever it is that you're interested in I think it's absolutely essential and you know if it wasn't people wouldn't be you know, protesting, mm. protesting as a physical thing that we're seeing a lot of, and it has a power to it. You know, sitting in our bedrooms protesting is not going to do the same thing, is it? So I think we do need to have these moments together, and we 
if you're interested in developing your career and you're interested in growing your brand and you're interested in you know success or whatever it is that you're you're after you have to get in front of people i remember you know when i was in the junior stages of my career personal branding then was really kind of how how we were showing up and the part of that was like how we dressed and you know our wardrobe and you know obviously any opportunity to speak to senior management see what we could learn to shadow people but i think that talk about wardrobe for a second because i think that is such an important part of personal branding as well and i think that you know since people have gone home because of covid i think that's changed a lot and a lot of people don't even go back to the office now so therefore probably don't even have a work wardrobe is that even such a thing anymore now do you think i think it depends who you are i mean some people just always feel more comfortable wearing a jacket i love wearing jackets because it means i can just dress up anything casual and it looks smart but i think uh, we're definitely more dressed down there's no doubt even in the in sort of banking sector you can see it uh, you know a smart day might be a jacket and jeans um, whereas I remember doing talks back in back in, when I was a journalist, you know, in Citibank and places like that, where there'd be debates around how come guys have got they're allowed to wear chinos on a Thursday and what's our version of relaxed because it's not really the same. And you know, it, it really has changed a lot. It, does it make people happier? I don't know. There's something really powerful about dressing up to do something it's there's a whole performance there it's part of the kind of armor i hate that word a little bit but it's part of the kind of the package that makes you feel confident and you know i spent many years dressing women for confidence and dressing people to be seen um when i was a stylist and there is there is something that lights up when somebody puts on something that makes them feel good i'm not sure jeans trainers and sweatshirt makes you feel good every day think you need a bit of dressing up every now and then but it doesn't have to be super smart we're not talking power suits anymore um, I don't think many people go in for that but there is something about not wearing what you wear every day that makes you feel a little bit more special and I think also waking up in the morning and putting together an outfit you know they I wouldn't say that that ever was a, an exciting task in the mornings I'd find it quite stressful when I was always late for work then trying to put an outfit together but just that that um that sense that this needs to look good, this needs to look coordinated, I need to put this together well. That's not happening when I'm at home. You know, I'll, I'll focus on a nice top and I'll have my sweat bottoms on underneath, right? Because nobody can see me kind of like waist down. So I think it was just the, you know, the, the, the I don't know whether it was a sense of pride that you had in your in your wardrobe or in, in the way you looked or, you know, in, in the way you dressed. I feel like that's not happening with when we're sitting at home. Not, not so much. I mean, it, you're right. It's completely different when you're, I mean, you're sitting down all day for a start. I and mean, when we worked in offices, you're walking from meeting yeah. to meeting. People are seeing you standing up, yeah. <laughs> um, and so there's a kind of, you know, there, there's something in that that means that you want to put together something that makes you feel like you're ready for work, and there to do business. And you can signal power with the way you dress. Mm. You can't look powerful in sweat in a sweatpants. You just can't. No. So there is something there is, you know, you we know that this works because otherwise politicians wouldn't go through these restylings when they become more senior and they're mm. starting to do more and more, you know, um, sort of public facing um, appointments. So I, I, I will never, ever be convinced that being super cash is going to add to your to your confidence. I think that there is a power in dressing in a way that makes you feel good. 
And I'm, by the way, I'm not defining what that is mm. because it's different for everybody and it differs for every country and culture and, and whatever you do. But it could be putting on a pressed, smart, you know, boiler suit to work in a factory is going to make you feel better than pulling one out of the cupboard that's really old, it's got stains all over it. It's just going to make you feel better. Mm. So I think there's a lot of power in that. And I think if you are interested in developing your profile, you should consider how you present in accordance with what you do and what you want to communicate because it vary, you know, it depends what you do. I think it's so true. We interviewed Jane Shepherdson recently and she said, like you, that um, make sure you put a jacket on. And she, she also said that she believed that the jacket really empowered her and always made her feel smart and like in control. And even when she was having a, a moment, like an imposter syndrome moment, she always felt like the jacket was like, you know, was very empowering. So, uh, what do you, what would you say to your clients now um, who would come to you and say, "I'm really challenged by my kind of uh, my wardrobe at the moment. I don't feel I've got confidence in 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 my wardrobe and the way I look." How can you guide them? So, we, I would ask them lots of questions to understand what it is that makes them feel good. I mean, generally, if you go into your wardrobe and I said to you, to pull out the thing that you always default to if you want to feel powerful, if you want to feel good, or if you're going in to do something serious, or and people always have one or two things. Mm-hmm. If you look at that as the kind of that's the guide of what I what that person likes to default to will understand why that is it could be because it's really comfortable it could be because they love the color red it could be because they love a shoulder pad it could be whatever and then that that is the thing that makes you feel most comfortable then we could build a wardrobe around that being the thing I would never try and steer somebody into something where they're not feeling comfortable with who they are Mm. the powerful people and when you're thinking about, I do a lot of coaching for people standing on stage and, and public speaking and you know, because this is all part of it. But the most powerful speakers are really comfortable. They're not thinking about their clothes, mm. but they know it's good. Mm. So if you're playing with your waistband, worrying about your heels are too high, you know, concerned that somebody can see up your skirt or worried about whether you're, you know, whatever, whatever it is, that's going to that's gonna take away from what you're doing. My job is to make sure those people come across with clarity and confidence and that whatever they're going to say is heard. That's the most important thing. Clothing can be really distracting to an audience if it's not considered. So we need to consider that you're wearing what's appropriate for the job that you're doing, that you feel really comfortable, you feel fucking kick-ass mm. because that's really important for your confidence and that you're not distracting the audience. So I would never put somebody into something that was too fashion, for example, because this is going to cause debate. Like if you were walking around looking like Kim Kardashian, all I'm going to talk about is the clothes because yeah. they're crazy and they're fashion. I want the woman or the person, and mainly women I coach, but the person to be heard. That's the most important thing that their message comes across. So interesting. So I think, A, you're saying it should be like, it should reflect your authentic style, but it also shouldn't be so uh, uh, distracting that it becomes the topic. Unless that is what you're about. Yeah. So if you're Grayson Perry, 
you know, what he represents is this whole package mm. of fabulousness, mm. which is about these different outfits as well. That's what got him recognised in the first place. Mm. So they're really important to his brand. And this is why we come back to brand. What's authentic to you and what you're doing? People would be really shocked if they didn't see it. Mm. So it comes, it comes back to that. So it's really about looking at the person, what they're trying to do, making sure they're completely authentic, in in that moment but also confident and and feeling good and then able and that allows them to 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 not worry about that one thing because when you go up onto a stage or speaking publicly there's so much to worry about am i going to remember the content Mm. am i going to deliver it with clarity am i going to be you know everything i hope to be whether it's i want to be a little bit funny or i want to be able to you know engage people can i hold an audience for 10 minutes 20 minutes an hour i mean it's such a difficult thing to do the last thing you want to worry about is you know oh my god you know is my shirt see-through and all i'm worrying about is the fact that my bra is slightly blue in the wash and i haven't but you know that, that sort of what a disaster yeah. that would be yeah. so i you know we don't want any of that we want to be able to make sure somebody can go up there and, and deliver and do their best so when you work with your your clients how much of their kind of focus area is around their personal brand it's sort of it it's part of it i'm a transformation coach so i work with people who are in who are in transition or change you normally to do a career so other people exiting into something new starting something new or waiting to start something new so often we have elements of confidence to work on if you're a ceo and you've just been fired by the board which is phenomenally common um uh there is definitely a confidence issue there it's you know am i good enough you know what was what can i do you know am i going to try for one of these jobs am i going to try and do something else what what's the journey and so we'll we'll find out what it is we'll work on the areas that may be more triggering confidence could be one of those things it might not be it might be like you know I was completely right they were completely wrong I'm really glad I've left so there's no confidence issue but if there is one um, then I'll work on that or it might be somebody who's just been appointed a CEO for the first time or a director for the first time and then there's a little bit like I just want to make sure I go into this role feeling my best and that can have an element of clothing if clothing is not important to them I won't work on it Mm. because it's not my journey it's theirs and they dictate the pace and what they want to work on but of course I'm here to offer those um those elements if they if they want them to I think for women it's often Mm. part of it I've got you know the jacket that I love and the shirt that I always know works really well and the pair of trousers that are the most comfortable that I know always look good and I know I don't have to press um you know these are all the things that kind of add to my sort of little hit list of things that I know make me always feel great and so it's really good if you can help somebody build that so they've got this kind of default like you said you you found getting dressed in the morning sometimes stressful if I can remove that stress from somebody who's about to go and do something really big, if you're about to go and run a business, you know, a massive business, the last thing you need to worry about is your wardrobe. It's, it, you know, you, you've got much bigger things to think about than that, but it doesn't mean you still don't want to look good. No, exactly. And also, I would like to say that I also think that women should still want to look good. Yeah, I agree. Because there is a little bit of like, let's just play it all down because, you know, that's just a bit too this, that and the other. It's just bullshit. I'm sorry. We all want to look good. And I think that's the thing that I love about being in the office is just being able to, like, look my best. And um, and because we work in the fashion industry, you know, we didn't have to wear anything that was, like, other than us fully, you know, 
reflecting our personality. So every day was like we go to work in your in your best clothing, yeah, you know. And, it's and, not like that for everybody. No, and it's I, not. And I think that that play, that so playing field has leveled a bit. I think it's not so difficult. But if you're talking to a group of lawyers or barristers, yeah. it's a very different world yeah. to the world that we, ha- you know, we inhabited a world where anything went really, yeah. and anybody, you know, it was very inclusive yeah. in many ways. Whereas it doesn't exist yeah. in in other areas of business. So post COVID. We've got people kind of working hybrid. Some people are back in the office full time. Um, there's a lot of people going back into the workplace who are feeling uncomfortable. And I think that might be because they lost some confidence whilst they were at home. They were you know, behind the computer. Um, what advice would you give to, to women coming back into the workplace? It might be after having had a baby um, to kind of feel more confident about their personal brand. So... More so than ever, because the pace of digitalization, you know, things kind of move really quickly while you're away. So if you've taken a year off to have a baby, it makes total sense that you're going to come back uh, with a little bit more fear than perhaps you might have done 10 years ago. Because so much is changing. We talked about AI. You know, AI is being integrated into business as we speak, and it will just grow and grow and grow. But on top of that, you've got a different generation of people who are you know, much more digitally sort of agile. um, And that seems to take confidence from people who weren't brought up like that as well. So when you go out of of business and then you come back into it, it makes sense you're going to feel uh, nervous uh, about that. I would say the best advice is to do some research. If there are things you're not sure about, just find out. We've got so much information at our fingertips. And, you know, I don't think it's good enough for people to sit around going, well, I didn't get brought up. I didn't get brought up with digital, so I don't really know how to use Instagram or social or anything. Just find out. If you're in business, it's your job to find out because that's where business is going. So if we're going to sit on the sidelines, you're going to stay on the sidelines. And all we need to know, if you're a senior leader or a director or a CEO, you don't need to know how to do some of these really technical digital applications. You don't need to understand some of these platforms. You just need to know they exist and you need to know what they do. And you need to know that you've got people in your team who can do them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that is as simple as that. So to sit there and go, I don't really understand that. I just don't think that's good enough. So you're saying kind of like, it's your job to stay relevant. I just think find out. It doesn't yeah. take long to listen to a few podcasts, to do a yeah. bit of research, to Google it, to watch some YouTube films, to understand some of the terminology that you might not be sure about. It's not necessarily that you're going to use it. But if you know that your business has integrated with a particular system or software or has started to use something and you've been out in the in the, you know, in the time that they've done that and you're going to go back and feel nervous, you're not going to necessarily know how to use it. But you could certainly do a little bit of Googling around what it is. I mean, it depends how long you've been out for. Yeah. If you've been out for 10 years, there's going to be a lot of work. Mm. And, you know, you can certainly ask friends. To, to, to talk you through some stuff you know if you don't know what keynote is or you've never done a powerpoint presentation mm. or whatever or you don't know what excel is mm. i mean that's just some work that you've got to do but i think if you want to be in work today you have to know about all these all these things they're just part of work and everything is available as a tutorial very easily everything everything that's how the kids do it yeah my son is 
a genius when it comes to tech, but it's only because he has no fear and he's just trying it out. He pushes it to its limit. You know, he plugs ChatGPT into the front of his screen so it can mirror his game so he can be top 100 in the world. And, you know, it's not really illegal, mum. You know, I mean, I'm freaking out. Oh, my God, we're going to have Xbox around any minute. Um, but uh, but he's just testing it and trying it and pushing it and, and having a go. We could just be a little bit more brave then I think it, it would be okay. Some of this stuff I'm just not interested in. I'm not that interested in, in some of these these technologies. I, I don't really, you know, need them in my life. Um, but I'm a bit fascinated. Mm. And, I, and I've done a few talks on AI and I've, I've, I've uh, contributed to a few features because for senior leaders, this one of these fears that you have is around this AI thing. And I just get so excited when I start searching and you think oh there's so much you there are so many free mm. webinars available from Harvest Business Review to all sorts of these you know amazing colleges that you can just get them and then you're like wow I know all about this and now I sound really cool <laughs> so stay curious I always stay curious I think it's the one that, there are two things that leaders should all be and that is curious and active listeners mm. really good at listening because you learn so much and you know if there if you're afraid of something just listen just listen it out just sit in a room and listen to what's going on and then you'll you know you'll come up with the right questions but mckinsey produces report called the great breakup and saying that you know more women than ever in their 40s upwards are just like checking out and saying the workplace doesn't serve me and i think it's made that's made up from many many things but i think part of it is the stuff that we've discussed today people just feeling that you know it's too difficult this is too much of an effort for me to stay relevant to for me to stay engaged um for me to have things in common with younger people they think the the kind of gap between them and and you know gen z is so huge now and i think everything you said today i mean you've you know it's so I'm not saying it's so easy, but you've illustrated that actually it's not, it doesn't take that much no. to, to stay in the game. Well, everybody, this comes back to curiosity. It's just curiosity all the way. For me, it's like ask them questions, like yeah. find out what are they yeah. into? What are they interested in? Yeah. What, you know, what pushes their buttons? What's the tech that they really want to kind of learn? Half the time they can't even explain the tech because it's just so intuitive to them. They're just yeah. using it, they don't know how it works. I had a massive team of marketeers and they'd come up with these acronyms constantly. I'd be like, hang on guys, what's that mean? They're like, oh, don't even know actually. But I know it does this thing where there's conversion, there's this, whatever, whatever. And I laugh and I'm like, okay, at least I kind of vaguely understand. I think the thing about women checking out is, you know what, maybe they're just checking out. I would say you can, you can check out of your industry if it's not working for you, but it doesn't mean you to check out of work. There are plenty of other things that you can do that will serve your community and society and young leaders and businesses. It just might not be the thing that you've been doing. So I've seen this a lot with marketeers. You know, marketing, I was a marketing director. Even in the time that I was doing it, things changed so phenomenally. I mean, it was extraordinary. The revenue we were able to generate because of AI or because of the sort of digital channels that we were able to kind of maneuver in order to drive traffic. And it was just phenomenal. And I wasn't an expert, really. I just sort of was curious a little bit. I didn't really want to get into the detail of it. I had people to do that. But so, it, so when I sort of COVID hit and I left that, I didn't want to go back, mainly because I'm just not interested. Mm. You know, I'm fascinated by selling stuff and I really am excited by these technologies. I think it's really exciting and I loved the people. I loved my young, I was 16 years older than my mm. oldest team member. 
but they brought me to life. They mm. gave me energy. I thought they were brilliant. I love listening to their stories and their dating kind of madness and all that stuff. It's brilliant. Um, so I just thought, how can I best serve people? And I'm a really good leader. So I can best serve people by really re-educating and focusing my energy in leadership into a way that will really serve people in another way. It just means that I have to put the effort in mm. to starting my own company, for building my personal brand and for building reputation. And that takes time. Mm. And so some people don't want that. They need, mm. you know, I, I was really fortunate. I had worked out that I had this amount of savings. I had, I had this amount of time to build back to a certain level in order to keep going, to, to pay bills and, and you know, I've got, I've got teenagers and stuff. So I'd worked it out and that was two years. Okay. And most people would be too scared to be out of work for two years. Yeah. But I had budgeted for that and it sort of worked out and now it's just growing. But it's it's slow, you know, it doesn't, it's mm. not, you're not gonna go back into that massive mm. salary that you left. No. So there often is the fear. But I've got something now that I can do till I die, yeah. pretty much. That is serving people in a way that makes me really happy and using all the skills that I've built up over 25 years of career. So I've stepped out of marketing. Like, I kind of haven't. I now support marketers mm. and people who run businesses. So it's great. But yeah, I can see why there's a fear. But I think it's a very um, healthy approach to say, okay, Let's be pragmatic about this. Let's work out how much you've got in terms of savings, how long that gives you. I think if you know whether it's 12 months, 18 months, five years, you will make something happen within that time frame. You, yeah. you know, you will work within it. But there's no need to be if you've got enough money to keep you going for like three years or so. You don't need to be panicking in the first two months and getting nervous and stressed out and, 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 and worried, I think. And I think it might be that you've got enough time to retrain you know, go on a course, do something different, you know, learn learn new skills or whatever. So I think that's actually a great idea to kind of like almost make a business plan for your life. And this comes back again to personal brand is that you, personal brand is is also part of your reputation, right? Reputation is often about, the, you know, the people who've interacted with you throughout your career and what they think of you. Reputation is their views of you. Your personal brand is the way you communicate and what you want to say. When we talk about coming back into or changing careers, obviously that's my specialist area is transition and changing. There, there has to be an element of patience because your reputation is built through your entire career. From all the people that you've worked with and have come across to you and the businesses that you've interacted with, that builds your reputation. I changed career at 47. So 25 odd years of I've been in fashion. Mm. And that's what everybody knew me for. Mm. And then, so when you make a massive change like that, obviously I'm still using all those skills and experiences. I've picked the best bits that will work and serve me for the job that I'm doing. But I've got to be, expect that it's gonna take time to build this new brand, my new, the new mm. Joe, and, and that, that takes time. Mm. It's not gonna happen overnight. No. Unless you have tons of money to throw yeah. at it and you can, but if somebody Googled me in the first year, they just get me doing fashion stuff yeah. or me, you know, whatever. So in order for that to start to be replaced by this new stuff, you're gonna have to allow yourself time to do that. So that's where the patience comes in. Some people won't want to do that, I get it. Um, it's not easy. It's really not easy. It, it, you know, it takes a lot of, but you know, I've made a commitment to build my personal brand, to communicate what it is that I want to do, because I have a mission. My mission is to serve people, develop their confidence, give them clarity, and get them shifting through their careers in a way they never thought they could. And because I've stuck to that, everything that I communicate has to be around that mission. And that's how I build the brand that, I, that, I, that I'm building 
nowhere near there, but I'm building now. But you're very good at, at building your personal brand. And, and the message you send out, I think, completely conveys what you're you're trying to say. But I think that is, it's time and it's effort and it's commitment, isn't it? And it's conscious. Um, yeah. I know what it is that I want to do. And I've got, you know, I've got the benefit of maturity. Mm. I'm not a young girl. Mm. I, kind of, I know I've, I've worked out what it is that I'm best at. I've worked out how I can best serve other people. I know that I want to do that for a living, that helping people makes me so happy and gives me so much fulfillment. So I've taken all those elements. I worked with a coach when I left my last big job and I thought this is I, I need to find the clarity and the direction the path that I need to get on so I worked with a coach got me on the path and the rest is up it's all my work I have to do it uh, and it's up to me to be consistently communicating that message and that's how you know I and I, you know, I was great at personal brand before I did it for a living for years I helped people but now I can do it in a really sort of deep way mm. in a sustainable way that is about changing habits changing mindsets and building confidence and, and get people to a completely different place that they never thought that was possible for them. And that, when I do that, that's like magic. And that's like the best day. It's better than a glass of champagne. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> so tell me, let's think of like some things, some quick tips to give to the listeners. If you had to give like three, three things that you can do if you feel your personal brand is not where it should be, what would they be? Okay, so if we go through the three that I was talking about, we might as well go back to yeah. that because it is, so we talk about, so presence and performance. So I would observe yourself in action. So stand, imagine yourself standing outside you in a meeting and look in and be as objective as you can and try to write down what it is that you see. And if everything that you see is great, and it's completely aligned with who you want to be and what you want to communicate, then great. And if it isn't, just make some small changes. Okay, so that's the number one thing. The digital footprint is pretty obvious, but maybe it's not. Look at your LinkedIn. What does that say about you? Look at your social feed. If, if it doesn't align with your LinkedIn or what you want to do with your work, but you've got all these lovely hobbies that make you really happy, make it private. Because yeah. you might people might find it otherwise or if you're really happy for that to be found because it's an interesting story mm. in an interview then great you know that might be really fantastic um but if it's like you know really hedonistic and carnage and you're trying to be you know a judge maybe you want to kind of <laughs> cut that off um so that so that so, so, so did, i think just tidied it up tidy it up like make sure your linkedin profile picture is up to date the number of people i coach who've got a picture that's 15 years old I was one of those what? up until a few months ago. Yeah. And it's really common. Most people don't know where to get a picture done. Yeah. Right? But just find a way. White wall. iPhones are amazing or a phone is amazing. Take a picture. Make yourself look half decent or whatever it is that you want to communicate. Take a picture, put it up. Um, and make sure that you've got the, the long thing at the back, the long picture at the back that has to communicate something as well. It just can't be blue. It's just too dull. That's a personal preference. But I'm going to say, um, so just clear all that up. Make sure your CV makes sense. Only communicate the stuff that you want to communicate. And if you're if you're a midlifer, if you're coming back into the workplace, you don't have to put every single job you've had since you left university because mm. that easy, easily date, ages you. And I would really like it if our society could be a little bit less ageist because there's some amazing experience out there that we're not using um, for business. So let's just put in the jobs that, you know, that last 15 years. And I think people are thinking... I need to tell them everything that I ever did. But that's part of our our kind of, we were trained to do that. It's like yeah. your CV had to have every single job from like, you know, when I was stacking shelves yeah. up to now. And like, how interesting is that? It's not interesting yeah. if you're a CEO, is it? No. Although it could be part of your story, your personal brand, if you were running Tesco's. 
Yeah. You're like, I started off by packing shelves. Everybody was like, awesome. Yeah. You literally know it from the, yeah. the floor up. So it really depends. This is when it comes to like, how important is it? Just, but just check in. Like, is it important or not? You know, I spent six months working in a nightclub in Soho. It was amazing. And I will put it in my book one day, but I don't need to put it on my CV. Mm. So, yeah. Um, so that's just clear that up. And then the network part of it is takes a lot more effort. But you just need to look around at your contacts, where you hang out, who you're hanging out with, not your friends and people you've had since school. They're really important to you. You know, they, they're people that you care about you. But it's like if you're trying to communicate a message or if you're trying to grow, if you're trying to develop your career, which room do you need to be in? Mm. And just go into try and find a way into those rooms, because that's going to really help your career. Networking is unbelievably important it has been really difficult over the past few years we can do it on social so you can follow people on linkedin you can be part of groups you can comment on things in groups if you're particularly passionate about something um, and get some kind of profile building but i would really consider that if you want to try and grow your brand excellent i think on that point of networking i'd also say is you know be quite careful about which events you choose to be a part of because there's so many that are coming up now. It feels like they're everywhere. And I think that, you know, to ensure that you don't get like bored or kind of fed up with this concept of going to networking events, I think just be a bit selective about going to the right ones that that, that's, that serve you. Yeah, just, yeah. You, I mean, you've got to choose what interests you. Yeah. So, and by the way, your job and your interests can be separate. Yeah. If what you're really passionate about is the environment or, you know, I don't know, uh, women's rights or whatever it is or anything, you know, that can end up being your career. This is what we talk about when it comes into alignment. Mm. When your work comes into alignment with who you really are, that's when you're probably your most fulfilled. Mm. It doesn't make it that easy because we tend to go into a career path because you just got to get a job. Yeah. We have to earn money. So, some, you know, I've, I had my head of PR was an account was an accounting department. She was she was in the numbers and she's the most amazing PR. But she just left university, went into this path. It didn't suit her at all. And unfortunately, before I arrived, I'm, somebody had brilliantly identified that this woman was an incredible communicator and she really was best placed somewhere else and then had an amazing career. Just because we start somewhere doesn't mean we have mm. to end up there. Absolutely. That's a good note to end on. So thank you so much, Joe. It's been um, it's been really enlightening. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you to our listeners for joining us today for this insightful discussion on personal branding and a very big thank you to Joe for sharing her insights. We hope you found it helpful and start your personal branding journey today. As always, the podcast is available on our website. And if you want the links to anything that we discussed, then please log on to www.santaland.com. If you have any other questions regarding personal branding, a topic that is a significant part of our work at Santalan, please feel free to leave us messages on social at Santalan Coaching or on our website. And over the next series, we will come back to them. Until the next time, take care and remember, nobody's coming to fix you because you already have the power within you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Nobody's Coming to Fix You. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please follow us and subscribe for future episodes. If you have any questions about the content of the show, all the details will be in the show notes. You can also reach out to us on Instagram and TikTok at Santaland Coaching. Nobody's Coming to Fix You is brought to you by Santaland, a 12-month coaching and transformation program for women. To learn more, please go to www.santaland.com. I'm your host, Albia. Until next time, stay well.